Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter. This is volume 13, issue number 36, which corresponds to the week of August 21st of 2023. I'm your host, Dr. M. And this week, we are going to dive into the literature and do a little review of about six articles. We're going to talk about napping and then finish with just a quick recipe of the week. All right, what do we find in the literature recently? From the journal Cell Host and Microbe, Zhu et al., 2023, we note, quote, the microbiomes of cesarean-born infants differ from vaginally delivered infants and are associated with the increased disease risks. Vaginal microbial transfer, otherwise known as VMT, to newborns may reverse C-section-related microbiome disturbances. Here, we evaluated the effect of VMT by exposing newborns to maternal vaginal fluids and assessing neurodevelopment, as well as the fecal microbiota and metabolome. 68 cesarean-delivered infants were randomly assigned a VMT or saline gauze intervention immediately after delivery in a triple-blind manner. Adverse events were not significantly different between the two groups. Infant neurodevelopment, as measured by Ages and Stages Questionnaire, ASQ3, score at six months was significantly higher with VMT than saline. VMT significantly accelerated gut microbiota maturation and regulated levels of certain fecal metabolites and metabolic functions, including carbohydrate, energy, and amino acid metabolism within 42 days after birth. Overall, VMT, vaginal microbial transfer, is likely safe and may partially normalize neurodevelopment and fetal microbiomes in cesarean-delivered infants, end quote. This remains a completely logical decision for me to have VMTs a part of medical care. Why not do it as naturally occurring every day? Anthropologic reality is that VMT occurred since the dawn of time by vaginal deliveries. To have a philosophical medical issue with safe VMT is to have a problem with natural human history. Nonsense to me. We, as a medical society, can have carve-out situations like herpes viral infections or active HIV while allowing the remainder of natural events to persist as expected. Food for thought. Number two. Type 2 non-autoimmune diabetes following COVID-19 is significantly on the rise. National Health Service data in the United Kingdom looked at millions of patients and found a, sig a signal of increased disease risk if a patient had significant neutral natural disease, especially if hospitalized and unvaccinated. Taylor et al. 2023. To me, this is a clear indication that the inflammatory state of COVID-19 leads to an acceleration of metabolic issues that were likely already on the disease trajectory. Number three, more data in preparation for the upcoming podcasts with Dr. Peter Unger and Dr. Doug Thompson. Quote, while the effects of dietary patterns on cardiovascular risk and diabetes have been well studied, the evidence is scarce as to which diet has the greatest anti-inflammatory potential and how dietary patterns are associated with periodontitis. In the Hamburg City Health Study, we developed an anti-inflammatory dietary score using a data-driven approach based on the relationship of relevant selected food groups with inflammatory biomarkers. They used HSCRP, high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, and interleukin-6. The aim of this cross-sectional study was to evaluate the association between anti-inflammatory dietary score and the incidence of periodontitis in Hamburg, Germany. A total of 5,642 participants fit the required inclusion criteria and were selected for analysis. Periodontal disease was assessed using probe depth, gingival recession, and bleeding on probing. 
dietary intake was measured using a food frequency questionnaire. A self-developed anti-inflammatory dietary score served as a key explanatory variable. Higher scores reflected lower inflammatory processes. This was measured by biomarkers, HSCRP and IL-6. Several covariates were included in the regression analysis, and they revealed that a higher inflammatory dietary score was significantly associated with lower odds to be affected by periodontal disease in an unadjusted model and in an adjusted model. Our study demonstrated a significant inverse association between anti-inflammatory dietary score and periodontitis. Individuals with higher intake of pro-inflammatory nutrition should be specifically addressed to avoid periodontitis. This is an unsurprising result based on the mechanisms of inflammation that lead to periodontal disease. Refined carbohydrates are notorious inducers of microbial growth with acid-producing bacteria that damage tooth enamel, as well as periodontal tissue leading to systemic inflammation over time. Measuring inflammatory markers gives this study better weight for the results. Food frequency questionnaires are notoriously inaccurate, leaving the data more functional with the added objective inflammation markers of IL-6 and C-reactive protein. 4. More on periodontal disease. In the journal Neuroinflammation, we see a study analyzing the effects of periodontal disease and the associated bacteria with the risk of microglial activation and the specific inflammation-induced disease. The authors write in the journal Neuroinflammation the following, quote, we showed that inducing PD in mice results in microglia activation in vivo and that PD or periodontal disease associated bacteria directly promote pro-inflammatory and phagocytic phenotype in microglia. These results support a direct role of PD associated pathogens in neuroinflammation, end quote. Remember that microglia are the resident immune macrophages in the brain and are responsible for much of the neurodegeneration seen in Alzheimer's and other dementias. If periodontal disease is also affected with brain via the microglia, then it behooves us to start paying a lot more attention to oral microbiomes and quality oral care. For the immunology readers who listen to this podcast or read the newsletter, quote, cells were stimulated with different MOIs of K. variacola, which is a microbe, IL-1 beta, IL-6, and NF-kappa BMRNA expression were significantly and dose-dependently increased after stimulation with the microbe K. varicola. We also measured mRNA expression of tolic receptor 2, 4, 9, and while tolic receptor 4 expression did not show any difference after stimulation with the bacteria, TLR2 and 9 mRNA expression were significantly increased in microglial cells, suggesting that TLR2 and 9, but not TLR4, are the microglial receptors that bound to the microbe K. varicola upon stimulation in line with the impact of the whole periodontal associated microbiome shown above, end quote. And again, that's from Almarhumi in Journal of Neuroinflammation. So this is something that matters, and we need to start taking really good look at our periodontal health and the bacteria that reside in our mouths. And there are ways to do this. There are companies that are involved in this process. One of them is a, a company called Oral DNA Labs, and they actually take your microbiome of your mouth and they look at it to see if you have any of these microbes associated with these problems. And in the podcast that's coming up with Dr. Doug Thompson, we discussed this issue at a little bit deeper depth. Number five, in a new study in the journal Cell, we see a newly identified fatty molecule in breast milk that has the ability to bind to stem cells that are in the brains of mice, encouraging them to become myelin-producing cells that are known as oligodendrocytes. In turn, these oligodendrocytes help to repair damaged neurons of premature infants. 
This is a first identification of a novel molecule with the potential to reverse neuronal damage related to prematurity. Human studies will be forthcoming. From the study, quote, white matter injuries are leading cause of neurologic impairment in infants born premature. There are no treatment options available. The most common forms of white matter injuries in infants occur prior to the onset of normal myelination, making it pathophysiologically distinctive, thus requiring a tailored approach to treatment. Neonates present a unique opportunity to repair white matter injuries due to transient abundance of neural stem progenitor cells present in the germinal matrix of the oligodendrinic potential. We identified an endogenous oxysterol, 20-alpha-hydroxycholesterol, in human maternal breast milk that induces oligodendrogenesis through a sonic hedgehog GLI-dependent mechanism. Following WMI, or white matter injury neonatal mice, injection of the 20-hydroxycholesterol induced subventricular zone-derived oligodendrogenesis and improved myelination of the periventricular white matter, resulting in improved motor functions and outcomes. Targeting the oligodendrogenic potential of postnatal NSPCs, or neural stem progenitor cells in neonates with white matter injuries may further developed into a novel approach to mitigate this devastating complication of preterm birth, end quote. Chow it on the journal cell, stem cell. Fascinating stuff coming here, folks. The more science we have, the more we develop ways to unwind previously not unwindable diseases of our brains and our bodies. Number six, early childhood abuse and social deprivation in a mouse model leads to changes in steroid hormone activity that causes excessive synaptic pruning of certain neurons in the brain via astrocytes. This comes to us from Byun, B-Y-U-N, et al., 2023, in the journal Cell Immunity. These actions, are, they will lead to increased mental health concerns. The actions of the astrocytes leads to decreased neural activity, which explains the mental health issues. When the study team ablated the pathway leading to astrocyte-induced damage, the, systems, the symptoms were prevented. More work to be done here as it relates to early childhood abuse and methods to reduce and reverse mental health struggles. But boy, we're going to get a lot farther if we can start understanding these pathways. Okay, section two. From a New Scientific American R, we see the following, quote, some participants are encouraged to take a brief, dozy nap before tackling the problems. The researchers found that those who napped and spent even just 30 seconds in the first lightest phase of sleep were 2.7 times more likely to figure out the math shortcut than those who stayed awake. But entering a deep sleep phase had a negative effect on this creative insight. In other words, there may be a sweet spot of mental relaxation that clears the way for the Eureka moments." End quote. Napping is not just important for infants and toddlers, as well as grandparents. It is a necessary refresher moment for anyone that needs a fatigue reducer without taking away the sleep pressure that helps us all enjoy a restful full night's sleep. Those that have a sleep debt have the highest benefit from a nap. This is not surprising. However, napping may neither be necessary nor great for everyone. In a true end of one world where we are all unique individuals, an iterative process of deciding if naps are good for you should be done. From the article, quote, a trial and error approach can help many individuals determine whether napping is a useful behavior for themselves, end quote. This comes from Dautovich, D-A-U-T-O-V-I-C-H, in the article, Scientific American. 
also goes on to state, quote, schedule permitting beginning with a brief afternoon nap of 20 minutes or less several days a week can be helpful to assess if napping improves mood or functioning or interferes with nocturnal sleep and to give your body time to develop a napping routine, end quote. Here are some of the known benefits of napping. One, mental. Napping has been shown to enhance cognitive functions such as learning, attention, and problem solving. A short nap, mind you, can help consolidate information acquired throughout the day, leading to improved retention, accessing, and recall of information. Two, alertness and performance. Naps, especially brief ones around 10 to 30 minutes, can help alleviate feelings of drowsiness and improve alertness and performance without ruining the sleep pressure needed to effectively sleep at night. Three, memory consolidation. Napping aids in the process of memory consolidation, helping to transfer information from short-term to long-term memory. This can enhance the retention of new information and skills. This has been well shown through synaptic pruning during nighttime sleep and believed to occur during naps as well. Four, emotional regulation. Anyone with a young kid knows this reality, fatigue and mood swings. Research suggests that napping can have a positive impact on emotional regulation and mood. Short naps may help reduce stress and improve overall emotional well-being. 5. Creativity and Problem Solving Napping has been linked to increased creativity, improved problem-solving abilities. Some studies that will suggest that during certain stages of sleep, the brain engages in processes that facilitate innovative thinking. Blood Pressure and Heart Benefits While napping is not a substitute for a good night's sleep, it can have a temporary restorative effect on the body. It may help lower blood pressure, reduce stress hormone, and improve immune function. Seven, there is some evidence that napping 90 minutes for athletes enduring heavy training episodes helps with alertness and motor function. I can tell you I can attest to this reality during the hardcore two-a-day soccer workouts when I was in college. There's something to be said about having that nap in midday to keep you going. Also from the journal Sleep, I found this. We see the following note related to kids 9 to 12 years of age. This comes from us from Liu, L-I-U, at all 2019 quote overall napping was significantly associated with higher happiness grit and self-control reduced internalizing behavior problems higher verbal iqs and better academic achievement although specific patterns varied across frequency and duration for different outcomes more limited significant associations were found for decreased externalizing behavior problems compared to non-nappers while no significant associations were found for performance iq and outcome metabolically end quote To me, the benefit appears to be quite clear with no harm found unless it affects night's sleep. This leaves us with a question, how long and when? The timing and duration of naps are crucial factors in determining their effectiveness. Short naps, 10 to 30 minutes, are often recommended to prevent grogginess upon awakening. Longer naps, 60 to 90 minutes, can allow individuals to enter a full sleep cycle, promoting deeper rest and potential cognitive benefits, but as a layer of risk with a disruption of sleep pressure, making it hard to fall asleep and stay asleep at night. Recipe of the week is by Chef Mark Allison. It's oriental lentil broth. It's excellent, loaded with all kinds of goodies. Highly encourage you to look at it. So go to salisburypediatrics.com, the website, and you can pull up these newsletter articles under the link of the date for August 21st of 2023. That will give you access to any of the citations for the literature articles if you'd like to review them or the recipe. Okay, folks, that's it. Song of the week, Broken Halos by Chris Stapleton. Good one. And then a couple free thoughts. Rivers know this. There is no hurry. We shall get there someday. By A.A. Milne. Benjamin Franklin stated, He that can have patience can have what he will. I like these quotes for us to think about the hustle of life and what really matters. Slow and steady.
wins the race. All right, folks, that's it. Always remember, hug those kids. Have a great day. Review this podcast and rate it on Apple if you like it, if you don't like it, or if you just are in the mood. Doesn't matter. Have a great day. The information provided in this audio cast of newsletters for educational and informational purposes only, not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or healthcare professional, and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue, and does not constitute the formation of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.